Well, thank you so much for joining me, Ben. Uh, really excited to talk about Cambium and everything it's doing in, in, the, in the space of carbon, architecture, landscaping, the lumber industry, and, and how it's maybe trying to disrupt sort of the supply, the traditional way the supply chains run. Like there's a lot of different areas of the economy that, that Cambium has its, has its tentacles in. So before we kind of get into what Cambium Carbon is and, and everything you and the team are up to, talk a little bit about your journey up to this point, like how did you even, you know, be, become founder of a of a company that transforms uh, trees, right? Like, what was that journey like for you? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and we definitely uh, are working on a lot of different parts of you know the economy and, and the climate transition. So, the way I really came to that, you know, this story is is informed by many different waypoints, but for me, it it really started just growing up with a, a really deep connection to the natural world. You know, I grew up in a rural town in, in New Mexico, grew up surrounded by forests. And, you know, from there, I really was connected into a deep sense of place, a connection with the trees. And when I was about seven, eight, uh, we had a really bad sort of pest come through, killed a lot of those trees. And I understand, understood from a really early age that that was directly linked to climate change. So my whole life has been dedicated to addressing this at scale. And as I started to do that in a lot of different ways, I started with more technical solutions. I always loved science. So I, I followed that path to the national labs and to some other places. But I, I realized what I really loved was teams and was most fascinated with team dynamics, the power of a collective, how you could do that really well. So I grew up playing you know, competitive sports, transitioned that into college, into to being a backcountry guide. Um, you know, I got a lot of hours in leading and managing teams all through college, went to grad school. Sort of took that deep passion for climate science and the understanding there, this real curiosity around teams and, and a lot of, you know, hours cutting teeth, leading teams in pretty intense environments and recognized, well, there's this this completely overlooked problem in the wood space and in a way that could actually address climate change at scale. So that was also a space I was really familiar with. My dad is a construction worker and a carpenter, so I grew up around wood and was able to, to mm. see all of these dots connect um, and started working yeah. on the solution. And it's been bigger and, and more exciting than I ever thought it would be. So really, really <laughs> feeling very fortunate there. Talk a little bit about just the the wood and lumber industry in general. Like you said, you, so your dad was in this space a little bit. So maybe from, from afar, you got to see a little bit. But when you wanted to, to start to get into starting Cambio, like what did you look at and assess the, the lumber industry as it was now? And what sort of holes did you find out? What are some of the you know, facts and figures and things that kind of opened your eyes a bit to say, hey, there's a lot of um, inefficiencies here? It's a great question. You know, one of the things that I always say is that, you know, wood is, is one of the oldest industries. You know, it's it's been around forever. We've built, you know, a lot of different versions of our civilization on this planet with it. And we don't think about it. You know, most people use wood every single day. They live in a house surrounded by wood. They, you know, are, are constantly actually touching and interacting with it, but they don't think about it. So that's one of the biggest things that I found in the industry and, you know, it's an opportunity is that there's no brands in lumber. You know, if you look at pretty much every single other sector, there's a brand, there's a company that are leading with brand in wood that doesn't really exist. And that's one of the biggest things that we're working to transform and see as a real market inefficiency. A second nature of the beast is that it's a really old industry. It's one that is, you know, legacy has a lot of sort of old guard mentality to how it's built. And what we're really focused on is bringing technology into that space. And 
and in particular, a, a real innovation and business model that can give you better unit economics that is focused on utilizing a, a more fragmented fragmented production chain that gives you you know, a more dynamic ability to process and manufacture material. So those were some of the top level pieces. You know, I think the other thing that we really noticed when we think about the carbon and climate perspective is that traditional forestry is focused on harvesting trees, treating them like a crop. And there's ways to do that really well. And there's ways to do that that are, are really bad for planets, for, for our ecosystems as well. And what we realized is there's all of this unmanaged wood. So there's, you know, 46 million tons of wood coming down in the U.S. every year in and around cities. And the vast, vast, vast majority of that is being wasted and treated like a waste product. And so that's what we're all about is changing that dynamic where instead of spending literally billions of dollars to throw wood away, we're wow. saving that material. And then when you save that material and process it into something, you can keep more trees and forests. So it's a really exciting new value chain to be unlocking. It's challenging, but we're, we're really energized by how it's going. So when somebody asks you like what Cambium does, right, or, or what it is, like how do you explain it to them from somebody that's outside of the sector? Like how do you go about? Because again, you're starting to do a lot of like different things, and that and the application of what you guys are doing can fit in a lot of different areas, um, and it impacts different layers of the economy. But overall, how do you how do you try to explain it to somebody? Sort of the mission and vision. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, our goal is to really build supply chains for materials that are good for the planet. What that actually looks like is it means sourcing materials in a really responsible way. Largely, that means salvaging materials. It means processing those materials locally. So instead of extracting a material from a forest or from a field, shipping it you know, across an ocean, getting it processed there at really, really high volume, shipped back, Instead, we're focused on bringing that manufacturing back to the U.S. And it's something we really care about is recreating and revitalizing jobs in and around American cities. And then ultimately, it's about connecting that material as regionally as possible. So if you think about this big movement in food, right, there's all of these new yeah. folks who are approaching things as like farm to table, you know, connecting yeah. the communities that you're in. And it's amazing. It's great. Um, it's better for our planet. It builds like identity. It's it's so powerful. We should be doing that with our materials too. You know, we should be using species, you know, you're in Kansas City, you should be using species of wood that are in and around Kansas City um, to do the same applications that you're doing today. And that's, you know, largely possible, not in every single application, but for the vast majority of wood, there's a, a relatively local species that can be plugged in that right now is being wasted. And that's, that's a huge opportunity. So when you say, you know, 46 million trees fall, <laughs> let's say, that that's that's quite a bit of inventory that or potential inventory that you have access to. So how do you, how does it even start? Do you look at a, a city or region and say, hey, let's focus here on building our supply chain or our technical supply chain? Talk us, I guess, through a process of like of like, okay, like how do we go? There's 46 million trees. Like where do we start to you know develop our product line at? Sure. I guess just walk us through like, okay, trees fall down here in the Midwest. Is there a cambium truck that goes, picks up thousands of them, right? Brings them to a, manuf a cambium manufacturing facility. Is that, is that a partner? And then what happens actually at the facility to turn that into potential flooring for homes? Potent I mean, obviously the potential is sort of endless, but, but kind of walk us through that process. Yeah, great question. So 
there's 46 million tons of biomass um, that comes from about 36 million trees. What that ends up looking like is it's material that's coming down when we build new buildings. You know, our cities are expanding, we take down trees. It comes from right. trees that are coming down in storms. You know, disasters are a bigger and bigger risk as climate change gets worse and worse. Those knock down trees all the time. Trees are living things. It's kind of hard to be a tree in a city oftentimes. And so trees age out. And then there's also loss of pests and diseases, things like emerald ash borer that come in and, and are killing lots and lots of trees in our city. So those are the, the primary drivers. And that, that creates a, a waste stream that is coming from a lot of different places. So the people who are actually dealing with that material are largely cities or arborists, tree care services that are going to do that tree removal, that are going to deal with that biomass. And largely today, they're going to mulch it or they're going to send it to a landfill. So they're going to take that material, dispose of it as cheaply and as efficiently as possible, um, but they're still paying to get rid of it. What we're working on, and we're really fortunate to have so many amazing partners across the U.S., is connecting that into a local salvage shop where you can take a log and you can do that initial processing. So you can turn it into a board. And then from there, to actually use that in a building, to turn that into furniture, there's a number of other steps. You have to go from log to board, then you have to go to board to dry board, and then you have to go from dry board to sort of finished board. And you know each, each material has a different supply chain there. And what we really do and what we recognized is those supply chains were completely disaggregated and they were broken. So, you know, hmm. what you're not going to see is you're not going to see, you know, 100,000 cambium trucks around picking up trees. What you will see is all of the existing trucks that are already there using technology to start actually being able to drop off that product in a more efficient manner to local salvagers. And gotcha. then you're going to see those, those shops being able to actually connect that material into large buyers. And that's where we really sit in the strongest sort of place is we we actually bring in that large long-term demand that creates the right incentives to start pulling this out of the waste stream. And that's, that's the key part there. So we have by us, they've actually just a massive, massive project, you know, to build like, uh, you know, housing, like, you know, yep. apartments, it takes a lot of space to, to build. Right. But they, and they took down a lot of trees. Right. Yep. But houses, housing is like a necessity. Right. And so, it's like that that's a positive thing that we, we are creating more housing in theory, hopefully that creates more affordability at, at sort of scale when we have more housing, but they have to tear down a ton, a ton, yeah. ton, ton of trees, right. To do this. So when they, when uh, let's say a commercial developer does this, right. They sort of team up with the traditional supply chains that'll come pick up the trees, haul them off, basically put about the pasture, right. They just go to wherever, uh, landfill is or something and, and sort of they, they there's not any reuse for them there so what cambium tries to do is essentially connect that person who's already going to pick that stuff up right yep. Th those jobs are not going away they still go to go pick it up it's after they pick it up where you guys come in and add a second life to that pickup so to speak and then it's it's just they're going to a different instead of going to um, a place where those trees are going to be end of life let's say they go to have a they go to a different facility or maybe it's the same facility that has changed correct the way it looks at how to deal with the the lumber and so that's sort of the technology stack you live in that world after they pick it up correct yeah that's it and the biggest part there is that a lot of that manufacturing already exists and what we're yeah. really doing is helping that scale and helping that yeah. those processors access 
bigger contracts, which is bringing more money into the communities and is allowing them to create more jobs and really grow from there. One possibility could be is, well, I'm asking, I don't know any of this, but it would feel like, I guess you said better unit economics. Where does that happen along this route? Is it for the people who pick it up? Is it for the the facility that sort of does stuff to it? Or when it turns into something, now you have the distribution that, that sells it back to the to the market, both residential and commercial, right? Because theoretically, these condos or apartments that are being built can use the trees that they tore down in the floors of the apartment, let's say, or in or as like kitchen islands or kitchen cabinets in the apartments that are building. There has to be exactly. some type of like perhaps tax tax incentive to do this, right? So some type of subsidy that could help incentivize sort of this new way of doing things at least to get it off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's two big parts of that. One is that just the baked in unit economics of using a waste material instead of having to pay to harvest it, to manage the land, to use log trucks to move something really far because you're just moving existing material already. So there's a real unit economic value on the source material side, on the processing step, because you're dealing with a more complicated input at you know smaller volumes than you would if you're going and you're clear cutting a forest. You're dealing with you know, you lose on unit economics on processing. But the great thing there is that there's a lot of marginal gain to be had in the first few steps towards having economies of scale and production. And then the final component is actual distribution. And and when you have local processing and local distribution, when you're selling something back that was 10 miles away from where it came down and where it was processed versus 10,000, you know, there's a huge unit economic advantage of, you know, doing that for such a heavy material. So that's that's the core part of it. So today, it doesn't require a subsidy for us to bring most of our products to market at price parity, but there's also, you know, opportunities to unlock way more of this waste stream with additional policy with additional incentives there that can catalyze this type of, you know, this type of work. When you talk to architects, millers, cities, what's the response that you get from them when you sort of lay out the the efficiency of it, the economic viability of it. I guess what are some of the talks been like with them? What are some of the feedback they give you? What are you taking away from those conversations? Yeah, I mean, each of those those folks play a different role. You know, cities love it. It's yeah. it's a great economic win for them. It's cost savings. So, for instance, we were working very actively in the city of Philadelphia. We've actually built and created a, a sort yard to manage and process material in partnership with their parks department. And so there's a a really strong, you know, leading example there where we have material being saved, new jobs being created with a focus on workforce development. So primarily, you know, folks with barriers to employment, getting jobs training really actively done there. And then also part of what we do is, you know, we're a public benefit corporation that prioritizes reinvestment in trees and cities as well. So for cities, it's a, it's a pretty much a home run. You're getting cost savings, getting jobs creation, you're getting reinvestment in your communities, and all of that helps you achieve your climate and net zero goals. So cities cities are really positive on that and, and pretty bullish there. The architect and design community, they tend to be most interested in both the sustainability of the projects as that mm-hmm. becomes more and more of demand, and also the storytelling capacity. Again, it's it's people love that. I think we we as people actually care a lot about where we came from. We care about a a lot of where we are. And we've had this, you know, this economy over the last, you know, 30 to 50 years that has 
pushed away from that. And I think we're really interested in actually having material in our spaces that we care about, that we feel connected to. And I think when you feel that connection, people care for it differently. So we often hear from architects and designers that when they use our wood, when they use carbon smart material, that's the thing that everybody talks about when they walk in. That's the piece of wood that they're talking about every single time because it's, you know, it's the story. It, it, yeah. it makes people feel something in the place. You mentioned some of the economic savings and stuff like that. What about like, for lack of a better term, like the carbon savings? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the biggest carbon driver is that when you take wood, which is embodied carbon, right? Trees have captured that, stored it, pulled it in, yep. and you mulch it or you send it to landfill. You also get some very strong savings in carbon from, you know, sourcing it locally, reducing the footprint there. And then, you know, obviously how you process that, the grid, your fuel sources and the actual processing all all tie in. But what we're seeing is, you know, significantly stronger carbon numbers than all of our, you know, competitive products on the market. It's far and away more sustainable from a carbon perspective than traditional forestry. And so there's a really strong opportunity to reduce, you know, the carbon intensity of buildings when you use wood overall. Like if you use wood instead of steel, that's way better. And then if you use carbon smart wood, our material, it gets even another order of magnitude better. So it's a, a really exciting, exciting thing to to be able to bring to market. What are some of the hurdles that you and the team face to scale this idea? It seems like you have the foundational stuff kind of figured out, but it's like, what's that next step? What are some of those you know, hurdles now that, that you face now that you have a product and you, you sort of got like, like some of the foundational stuff kind of ready to go? You're sort of on first base already. Like how do you get to second and third base? Like what are some of those things that you're facing right now? Yeah, we've established the demand side. We have brand, we have product. We are getting larger and larger buyers interested in that and are excited for some really big announcements coming through the pipe for this year about new partners in that space. We have a very strong network of processors who are doing this in you know about 120 different cities across the country. We have a set of sourcers um, who are connected into all of those processors and all of those cities. And we're partnered with a number of municipalities themselves to do this. And then we've got the technology built sort of to phase one where it's able to service the existing supply chain. And the next step for us, and this is where we are you know, fighting an uphill battle here in many ways, is to scale, right? Mm-hmm. And to take this established supply chain that we've built and have it grow to meet the actual size of this problem and to actually actualize the the size of this opportunity. So what that that means in many ways is we're trying to transform and create a new value chain for traditional forestry and for materials more broadly. And when you're trying to change a system like that, you know, the system the system pushes back. And yeah, so sure. Absolutely. We are really working to scale into higher production facilities, bringing in a lot of higher volume sources. We're starting to work in new places with salvage material from things like post-burn or fuel load reduction. So if you think about forest management from, you know, forests in the West that are dealing with wildfire, a lot Mm -hmm. of that material ends up being wasted right now. Huge opportunity to salvage that, turn it into something better. So working on all of that very actively it's hard. And I think that one of the biggest things that we face is all of our our processes run on our technology, which is highly scalable and is growing really rapidly. And we're also literally moving material, right? We yeah. are 
Right. It's not just it's not just ones and zeros, it's atoms. And I think that's why the solution matters. I think that's why it can be transformational in so many different ways. Also makes it hard. When we talk about like time frame, like when you pick some let's say, you know, obviously you pick up one piece of wood and bring it versus thousands of trees, there's gonna be a different sort of timeline there. But like if you can want to take it from like a small amount and then to a big amount, like what are the time frame from salvaging things and turning it into something that then can be reused in a variety of different applications out in the marketplace. Sure. You know, it largely depends on the species and usually the rate limiter with most species and most products is drying. So if you think about Mm. wood and the wood that you put in, you know, in your home as floors or as a table or siding, you know, structural material, if you put in wood that hasn't been dried properly, it warps, right? You know, yep. if you think about a tree, right? It's it's a living thing. It's got water that's coming from the roots and exchanging with the leaves. And so once it's dead, all of that water is still in there. And the way that you dry that material is really important because if you don't dry it well, you both get things like rot and pests and it's it decays much faster. And it also changes the actual structural of that material. So you know, that is really dependent on species. But, you know, in some cases that can be done, you know, really quickly within a month. Um, you know, you can have material from log into finished product, depending on capacity of production. And some species that's, you know, six months or, or longer. And it just depends on the balance between how much you do air drying. So leaving a log out, letting it actually dry and losing moisture that way. Or how much do you do kiln drying where you're accelerating that process? There's lots of different versions of that. That's, um, you know, all part of the equation of building these supply chains effectively. We mentioned sort of jobs in a couple of different areas, right? During our conversation, like what are the possibilities of, I guess, new jobs created? Obviously, KMVM itself creates jobs. You mentioned, you know, shipping stuff across the ocean to have it then ship back here <laughs> after yeah. it's i guess what are what are some of the job creation capabilities of kind of building out this new infrastructure of supply chain within this sort of lumber waste industry it's a great question you know there's a few different pieces of that one is the reality of all of it is just we're bringing back production to the cities and mm-hmm. this this whole idea was you know, it started, it was already milling around in my head, if you will, but it really clicked when I was at a grocery store in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I had just come from this big wastewood yard where they were discarding tons and tons of material. And I walked into the grocery store and there was firewood bundles out front. And I was like, oh, I wonder where these are from. And it was from Estonia. You know, it's like, why are we shipping in wood from Estonia to Albuquerque, New Mexico. It doesn't make any sense when we're throwing away, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of tons of wood just down the street. So the biggest part of that is in actually turning that material and salvaging that wood, there's a bunch of jobs along the value chain. There's a bunch of, you know, more trade-like jobs where you're, you know, actually moving that material. There's growth in sort of the arborist community. There's growth in the, the salvaging components. There's more sort of processing and, you know, craftsmen, maker jobs that are focused on, you know, building and turning that material into into wood. And then there's also, you know, as we catalyze our technology, there's tech jobs. And then there's 
you know, reinvestment as well. So when we are planting new trees in cities, that also requires, you know, yeah. workforce. And I think one of the biggest things that we're really excited about is trying to help transform and create access to jobs kind of across the board, you know, and, and really having integrated teams and also doing that directly within the actual Cambium team. But also what we're doing is we're creating the system to have vendors and merchants and producers at every step of the way also be growing. So really trying to have a, a rising tide lifts all boats and, and puts a lot of people back to work. Last question I have is really just about the future. And when you and your team sit down and look at three or five years down the road, like what are some of the goals and successes that you would like to reach and achieve? Yeah, it's a great question. You're never going to fault me on ambition. We uh, <laughs> are all about going big. And I'm a huge believer that, you know, you you do that well by sequencing it appropriately and by really listening first and trying to solve real problems with people, not for people. We're working on that. And our goal is to to be national, to truly be salvaging, you know, billions of board feet of this material, to be sourcing, you know, across the country and then to also, you know, in the sort of three to five year timeline to have expanded internationally. And then longer term, our big vision is to expand across materials as well. And our mm. goal is that if you as an individual, as a homeowner, as somebody who's building something, yeah. or you as a company, if you're a furniture company, a product company, that you have the option to source a carbon smart material, something that's locally salvaged, something that was processed locally, and something that reinvests in your community as efficiently as you do today and with the competitive, you know, pricing as material yeah. today. And that's what we're really going after. And, you know, a great example of, you know, a, what we're trying to create is something like, you know, what Amazon has done with their customer experience on, you know, shipping and products. Like it's yep. completely transformed how we understand buying something as, as a consumer. That's our goal, except to do it where every single material, every time somebody's buying, all of that is better for the planet. And, you know, that we're fully carbon negative as a company and that anytime we're growing, we're actually helping the planet. We're not making it worse. Yeah. As you scale, you you actually get better for the planet, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of times it's 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 an environmental negative to scale in a lot of different areas, which is... It's, it's pretty much is, that way every time from every company <laughs> in history. So. Well, thank you so much, man, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Pretty, pretty awesome journey so far, man. And, and nothing but the best luck for the next decade to come next couple of decades and you know cheers to, to you building something awesome and, and hopefully scaling the way you intend to again thanks for taking the time yeah i appreciate it thanks so much grant